I was in a marriage that was wrong for me. You know, I made a mistake. I was young. I said yes when I really wanted to say no. And this person is not my person. So I separate from him. The divorce is in the works. And my brother, Peter, calls me at my office and he started yelling at me. And he was so mad at me for ending a marriage. And I said, listen, I'm going through a really hard time and I feel really sad. And he said, good, you should. And you need to sleep in the bed you made. And I was like, you know what? Screw that. We get to remake our bed every single day. You only sleep in the bed you made tonight and tomorrow you can remake your bed. So you can, you can buy a new bed. You can get new sheets. You can decide to sleep in a sleeping bag. You can go camping. You get to change your mind and pivot in your life. It is such a horrible statement. I can't stand it when I hear people say that because just because you make a choice at 23 doesn't mean that's the same choice for you at 30. And I'm proud of myself for making the transition from wanting to please everybody in the world and not remaking my bed to having the courage to say, you know what? I'm buying myself a new bed, one that I'm excited to sleep in tonight. And that feels really good. As moms, we often wonder, am I doing enough for my kids? I'm here to tell you, you are super mama. That's because we have an undeniable superpower, our intuition, and it never steers us wrong. I call it our mom sense. Hi, I'm Kanika Chadda Gupta, and I'm the host of That's Total Mom Sense. I'm a journalist, entrepreneur, wife, and mom of three, twins plus one. Now, if I had a dollar every time I heard, gee, you have your hands full. On my podcast, I interview influential moms from various industries and cover topics that all first-time parents grapple with, from getting your baby to sleep to screen time allowance, your new normal in your marriage, and how to dedicate time to yourself. Learn and laugh along with that total mom sense. Women are doing it all. Running companies, nurturing marriages, raising kids, volunteering on boards, and still making Pinterest perfect cupcakes for the class party. Thank you very much. But we're exhausted. We're running on a hamster wheel and popping Xanax. And in our most private moments, we're wondering the scariest question of all. Is this it? I've been that woman. The harried workaholic. The unhappy wife. The frustrated mom. I was even in a passionate relationship with a woman for two years before marrying my husband. Life is complicated, friends. The point is, I found my way off the treadmill. This book is me extending my hand to help you off yours. You are not alone. You are worthy. You are powerful. And you can own your life in such a way that you'll stop asking, is this it? And instead start saying, this is it. That excerpt is from my guest book called Heart Boss. Her name is Reagan Walsh, and she is an executive and life coach who finds joy and fulfillment in helping people live a life that sizzles. As a woman with a glass three quarters full mentality and a deep desire to nurture, she provides clients through times of transition to uncover their truest selves and find profound satisfaction in their everyday. Her own journey was fraught with self-inflicted stress, unsatisfying busyness, and plenty of needless striving. Thankfully, it's also been a journey of intentional searching and incredible transformation. Prior to coaching, Reagan spent 15 years working in corporate, nonprofit, and creative agencies. She hustled hard as a high-achieving salesperson, built a nonprofit brand strategy from the ground up. She once even quit her job after 4.25 days, and we will get into that when we chat with her. As someone with a strong sense of self 
and an inability to be anything but truthful, she began noticing a welcome trend. Her friends, family, and coworkers would often seek her advice as they faced challenges. She's worked with thousands of clients from around the world, has been featured in Harvard Business Review, Forbes, NBC.com, and Fast Company, and proudly calls Columbus, Ohio, her home, along with her husband, Nick, and daughters, Dorothy and Maeve. Reagan, welcome Hi. to That's Total Mom Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here today. Me too, me too. So you are a ball of sunshine. Oh. I, I just, I want the audience to know that. Well, we clicked right away and we both have a passion for connecting with people and storytelling. Yes. You know, and it just, I love that we have that parallel in our lives. And I love that you let your heart be your boss. That was really the impetus for Heart Boss, right? Yes, it was. Thank you. It's not always easy, but it's certainly more fun if you let your heart be boss of you, for sure. Yes, yes. So let's start from the beginning. You grew up in a very big family. Tell us about that. Sure. So I am the youngest of six kids. I grew up in a very traditional Catholic Irish household. So that means you follow rules. You don't talk about things that might have feeling, right? You don't (laughs) go deep with your family. You're sarcastic. You try to be funny. You know how to like work a room and be in a crowd. But when it comes to sharing your emotions, having tough conversations about intimate things, you don't do that. So I was very fortunate though, to have two incredible parents. My dad was an entrepreneur. My mom went to work with him when I was in kindergarten. So she was a working mom up until the pandemic. She worked full time and she's in her eighties and I have three brothers and two sisters. And I truly feel so lucky to have been the caboose in this like Brady Bunch family that we have, because it really was such a fun upbringing. I, I, I really was so fortunate as a child. That's wonderful. I love that you shared a very special bond with your dad, Leo Walsh, and he was truly a powerful, positive force in your life. I love that he taught you not to live by pretense and worry about keeping up with the Joneses. And just the anecdotes that you share in your book make you laugh and make you cry. So could you share some of them with us? Oh, for sure. And you know what? I really love that about my dad. I grew up in a in an upper middle class suburb in Columbus, Ohio, and we were not that. So, you know, my dad didn't care about money in his bank account. He was always philanthropic, taking care of other people. He didn't care about what cars he was driving, what clothes he was wearing. And that did rub off. Of course, there are times when you're a teenager where you feel like, oh, I wish I had what everyone else has. But now as an adult, I look back at what my parents pulled off with six children. And I just feel so damn grateful for the choices (laughs) that they made, right? Because it gave us a sturdy foundation. Like who cares what clothes you're wearing? The, what matters is that you take care of other people. My dad was always such a champion of mine and always put me in situations that felt uncomfortable. So you know, one of the examples I shared in Heart Boss was he would sign me up for boys teams. So when it came to basketball season, he put me on the boys team. Uh, when it came to learning how to drive a car, I could only learn on a, a standard stick shift. I wasn't allowed to learn like all my friends on an automatic. And he took me to the middle of a hill um, where I was going to, <laughs> you know, go backwards, slide backwards down the hill. And that's how I learned how to drive stick shifts. So he was always, I think, my biggest fan. And he always was one one of 
my first and best life coaches. And sadly, he passed away unexpectedly from a heart attack when I was 22. I was working for a company in New York City. I happened to be in Palm Springs. I had had a work event in Palm Springs. He, I got a phone call one day. I had 10 missed phone calls from my family in the morning when I woke up in California and I knew one of my parents was dead. It was just a question of which one, because why would I have so many missed calls? And right. that's when my brother, Mike, was the one that picked up and he said, Reagan, dad's dead. It sure threw all, us all for a loop, but me being the youngest, you know, I was robbed of more time with my dad at age 22. And, um, you know, I, I carry with him, him with me every single day. And I feel so fortunate for the two years that I got, but it sure does make you think like life happens fast and you got to be living a life that you're excited about because you never know, you know, he died at 66. Um, his business was at a place where it was finally thriving. He was considering, you know, retiring soon and he didn't get to do a the things he had dreamt about, including a lot of travel, because he was always running a business and making sure his kids were provided for. And I want to make sure that I get to do both as best as I can. And I have him to thank for that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That just breaks my heart that you had to go through that so young. You know, I remember there's a, a portion in the in the book where you share how he had all these brochures for Italy because he wanted to go to the Vatican. And and sadly, you didn't get a chance to. And, you know, you said you're going to go someday. They were so uh, generous that I was allowed to go study abroad in college. And I called him from a train station. And I had just been to Vatican City. And I said, Dad, you won't believe the Vatican. And it's so amazing. And he said, I can't wait to see it someday. And the next year, I graduated from college and the next year he and my mom were planning to go. And for Christmas, my mom gave him a bunch of books about Italy and they were planning their trip for the spring and he died in January. I can't believe I'm actually not crying now because when I think about the fact that he never got to do that, but he paved the way for me, I just feel so grateful and also selfish like that he was robbed of that experience because he had so much love for his family. He put us first. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What an incredible figure to have in your life, you know, and a pillar to have in your life. And I feel like this book of yours is really paying homage to him. Thank you. Really, it feels like that in my heart, for sure. For sure. Yes. So tell us about the bond between you and your siblings. What was that? Gosh. So it's funny because we're all so different. There are 15 years between me and my oldest sister. I was eight years old when she got married and moved out of the house forever. And to me, that was like losing a parent. So when I was eight years old and she got married and I was wearing a darling little peach taffeta dress with baby's <laughs> breath in my hair, as one did in that season of life in the eighties, <laughs> I thought we were just having a fun party. You know, we, I was eating cake, I was dancing. And then it was like, oh, the party's over. And my sister and her husband left and they got into a car and somebody's like, they're leaving. And I, I'm going to cry throughout this whole, oh, no, I didn't know they were leaving. And I was like, what do you mean? And there's a photo and I am holding on for dear life with my baby's breath and my hair that's falling out of the little bun. Yeah. Because I was losing my sister who was my everything. Okay. I would wait for her to come home from college to help decorate for Christmas. I couldn't wait to sing with her at church and could do anything and still is that person that does anything. She was everything. 
And then like my brothers are a cast of characters. They, you know, they're protective and they're also brothers. So it just depends <laughs> on the moment, right? They, my oldest brother was home from college mowing the lawn and he was, you know, I share this story in Heart Boss and he was wearing like what I thought was a dweeby outfit and we were <laughs> kind of making fun of him. And I was probably nine years old and he yelled at me and all my friends and he's like, you guys need to go get jobs. And I'm like, we're nine and it's summer break, right? Right. <laughs> we're not going to go get jobs. But my conservative brother was like, everybody needs to be working. I'm working all summer. Why are you and your friends just sitting here, you know, making fun of us um, or making fun of me. You know, I have another brother that pranks me all the time, which I share in Heart Boss. You know, he's sent April Fool's jokes that could bring you to your knees because you can't believe how lucky you are. And then at the end, you figure out it's an April Fool's prank. And, you know, it's not easy being a Walsh kid, but it sure is interesting and it's fun. I mean, it is fun, but you just have to always be aware because somebody's going to do something to prank you at any given time. And that can like cause you to be a little bit tense. And so yeah, (laughs) a little on edge. I mean, it keeps you on your toes. And I feel like that's why you kind of are the way you are you know you're you're witty you're on the ball like you can anticipate with it and uh, (laughs) another thing I shared in heart boss is like we'll be in social situations and we make up stories on the fly and everyone just gets on board and you run with it so there was a time we were at a wedding and there was a young man that I think was hitting on me I was the only single woman at the wedding and (laughs) I, I told him this story that my family was really competitive with water volleyball and one of my brothers came over and so I kind of shared oh I was just telling David about our competitive spirit when it comes to water volleyball. And then my brother just ran with it. And then another brother came over and was like, yeah, but you missed the, you missed that last volley and you ruined the game and my mom gets in on it. So you just never know what story you're going to be telling at any given time, which is a total blast, but you got ready. And my family's always ready to jump in and tell a good story. (laughs) That's awesome. So you've always been someone to go by the beat of your own drum. And live life that way. And, you know, one moment where you shared that was post-college when you didn't have a plan and you were proud of it. You know, everybody else was, you know, just relishing in the fact that they had jobs or internships in hand and you were fine with figuring it out. So tell us about that story. I feel like it's generous to say I was fine figuring it out because I was, of course, nervous. But here's what happened. I was in a situation where I was the only one in the room without a plan. I did not have a job lined up. And we were at this like networking party in New York City. And it was right before I graduated from college. And there was this woman that walked in and she was like a tech star in the 90s. And we were in this swanky Chelsea apartment and we're in a circle of people. And she's asking everybody, so what are you doing after you graduate? And I'm sure I was sweating, right? I know I was sweating. As everybody said, oh, I landed this gig, you know, with this accounting firm and I'm doing this and I got this signing bonus and everybody felt so polished and put together. And so then it came to me and everyone's staring at me and I'm holding my glass of champagne. And I said, I don't know. I might travel. And then I said, one of these things is not like the other from Sesame Street. (laughs) And she howled and she's like, you shouldn't know. And how exciting. I hope you travel. Life is too short and you don't need to have a job right away. And it was moments like that with a woman named Chella that made me feel safe to be honest, 
to own my truth and to just like show up as I am. And I'm so grateful because eventually I did get a job and you know what, that job was exciting and it did allow me to travel the world. And, you know, all of the other people that were around that circle, many of them either got laid off, they quit their jobs, they couldn't stand it because they rushed to the first thing that was offered to them, which I get. Because when you're in school and you feel like you need to become an adult, you say yes when you mean no. We've all done that. But fortunately, that actually worked out for me. And hearing that from an older woman, you shouldn't know the answer, made me feel seen and it made me feel really good. Yes. And she wasn't just any woman. She was Chella Irvine who founded about.com. And I mean, I still remember, you know, in the early days of the internet where it was about and InfoSeek and Ask Jeeves. Yes. <laughs> you know? Can you believe we used to ask Jeeves? He was like my search plate. Yes. And so she was a trailblazer. And totally for her to, yes. And for her to kind of encourage you that way. And she later became, you know, she's one of your mentors, right? Yeah. She was amazing. And she always gave me the perspective that I needed because she was more seasoned in life than I was, right? It didn't even have to do with how successful she was. Like she had more life. She knew more. And that's what I love about surrounding myself with people from different decades, right? Younger and older, because we're so much better when we surround ourselves with multiple points of view. Yes. Yes. I love that you say that. I mean, one of my closest friends is 91 and- Yeah, she's, you know, she was um, an editor, a fashion editor in her prime and still writes. And yeah, it's just great to have her in my corner. So Mary Lou Luther, if you're listening. (laughs) Oh, Mary, has she been a guest yet? Yeah, she has. Oh, yes. I need to listen. One of my first. Yeah. Oh. oh my goodness. The stories she can tell. And I, can't wait I mean, she saw Yves Saint Laurent. I guess it was, he took over Dior and he was 19. She covered oh. that story in Paris. So she knows the who's who all oh, over Paris, Milan. Yeah. And I mean, this was when she was a reporter in her 20s. So, oh yeah, my amazing. That's so, so many stories. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So many great stories. Yes. Yes. I want to talk about a chapter called Remaking Your Bed, kind of a pivotal shift in your life. And your brother, Peter, would often say, you know, you've made your bed, now lie in it. And that's really a trigger for you. So let's get into that. So this is why he said that. I'll give some some backstory. I was in a marriage that was wrong for me. You know, I made a mistake. I was young. I said yes when I really wanted to say no. I didn't have the courage to stop. Right. I I went through the wedding and I finally one day realized, you know what, I need to dial up courage and live the life that I really want to live. And this person is not my person. So, you know, I separate from him. The divorce is in the works. And my brother, Peter, calls me at my office. I worked at a creative agency in an open space. So I pick up my phone in this open air space and he started yelling at me and he was so mad at me for ending a marriage. And I said, listen, I'm going through a really hard time and I feel really sad. And he said, good, you should. And you need to sleep in the bed you made. And I was like, you know what? Screw that. We get to remake our bed every single day. You only sleep in the bed you made tonight and tomorrow you can remake your bed. So you can... You can buy a new bed, you can get new sheets, you can decide to sleep in a sleeping bag, you can go camping. You get to change your mind and pivot in your life. It is such a horrible statement. I can't stand it when I hear people say that because 
you can change your mind anytime. You can pivot. Just because you make a choice at 23 doesn't mean that's the same choice for you at 30. It makes me light up. I get so angry about it. And I'm proud of myself for making the transition from wanting to please everybody in the world and not remaking my bed to having the courage to say, you know what? I'm buying myself a new bed, one that I'm excited to sleep in tonight. And that feels really good. And I, I encourage anybody listening here to dial up the same guts. Yes. You deserve it. Yes, absolutely. And I love that you're taking this cliche and dissecting it and basically calling out that it's it's total bull, you know? It it, it's, it's not something, yeah, not something that we have to abide by. And now for a quick break, brought to you by my brand sponsor, Homer. Hi, this is Kanika Shadagupta, founder and host of That's Total Mom Sense. I'm Stephanie Dua, president and co-founder of Homer. And this is At Home with Homer. Homer is the essential early learning program for kids aged two to eight. We have the most comprehensive app available for early learning skills that you can find on iOS or Google Play. And you can also find our really fun explore kits that help kids with their math, their reading, and social emotional learning that you can find on our website, learnwithhomer.com. On this weekly segment, we're going to cover a range of topics from raising confident readers to developing emotional intelligence. These are the skills that will carry your child through school and life and resonate most when taught at home by you, their most important teacher. So grab a notepad, your phone, or your mental notebook to remember the tips shared during the segment. And now on to At Home with Homer. Homer! This episode is all about happiness. Stephanie, I heard you mention in an interview that it isn't our job as parents to make our kids happy. And it really resonated with me. You know, even as adults, we are really in control of our emotions and in control of happiness. I feel happiness is a choice. But a lot of times parents kind of put that pressure on themselves that, you know, if their kid's not happy, it's their fault. And so they have to do something. So how do we really navigate happiness with our kids? I think it's one of the hardest jobs as a parent to think about what is our role related to our child's emotions and their happiness in the moment versus kind of long-term. If we as parents accept that our job is to make our kids happy, we're failing all the time, right? Because our kids are upset, they're upset with their sibling, or they're upset that something didn't go their way. And then you get into a loop of trying to fix things all the time. And I think that's the challenge with adopting a sense that it's to make our kids happy. I think a better mindset is to say, or an alternative mindset is to say, our kids are going to have a huge range of emotions as children and as adults. They're going to have loss and sorrow. They're going to have to grieve for somebody that they loved that died at some point. They're going to have jealousy. They're going to have disappointment. They're going to have joy. They're going to have pride. You know, they're going to have enthusiasm. They're going to have all of these emotions. And our job is really to help support them as they experience those emotions. So if they lose a pet, our job is not to then make them happy and say, well, you know, it's 
it's okay that we lost this pet. Let's get another pet. Let me find something else to distract you because we lost the pet. But rather say like, that is hard. It's hard. I feel sad too. You know, I feel that sadness. How are you feeling? And help them know that they have a a partner, a support system as they're experiencing those emotions. So they don't feel alone. And that when they're ready, they can come to you and that you're always there no matter what to be there with them as they're experiencing that. I think that's the most valuable piece of this. There are some practical things we can do as well. Mm-hmm. One is really to kind of give them power over their decisions, even the wrong ones. You know, if they're fighting saying, I don't want to put on my shoes or the raincoat and it's raining outside, let them feel what that consequence looks like. I used to remember Anya would always want to wear like a little strapless dress, you know, when it was the middle of winter in New York City. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's go outside and see how that feels. And then she'd be like, oh, it's really cold. And sometimes she wouldn't say it was cold. She'd be like, I'm fine. You know, she's very <laughs> stubborn, you know, but she didn't get frostbite, you know, nothing really happened. She had that agency. The second thing is to give them agency over failures and success and how they approach it. One big hot button is homework. I believe it's really important for the child to have a relationship with their teacher and the parent not to get in the middle. It's kind of the same as sports, right? Which is like, how can the experts, the teacher, the coach really have a relationship with your child so that you're not checking their homework and then they're going to school and it's really not their work product because that also takes away their own ability to feel joy and disappointment depending on what the outcome is because somebody took that agency away from them. It's Mm. not their their work product and they're going to figure it out. Right. And then finally, I think, you know, part of just helping them with emotions. It's the same with us. I, you know, Kanika, I like to say when my husband, I'm really upset. My husband comes to me and he's like, calm down. Or you seem really anxious. I want to <laughs> strangle him. I'm like, yes. That is not helpful right now. And I'm frustrated with you by the way. And so the thing to do is not, not do that. You know, it's understanding if they're feeling really frustrated in that moment, coming to them with something rational, why don't you look at this? Why don't you do it? They're just like, I'm super upset and I want to be upset. So giving them the space to be upset and then helping them with self-soothing, right? Whether it's jumping jacks, sometimes physical activity is really good for adults and kids, like changing their place. So if they're sitting in the kitchen, get up, let's run around for a minute. Let's do some junk. Let's get all that energy out of us. Yeah. By the way, that's good for adults too. If you're feeling really frustrated, getting up, stretching, doing something to kind of get that negative energy out of you can be really helpful in soothing that emotion. I love that. I love that because everyone always says count to 10 or take deep breaths, but yeah, jumping jacks is way more physical and you don't have to think. And yeah, and it definitely just changes things up. I love that. One thing that I am kind of exploring with my kids because they're four going on five and they are having their own journey and regulating their emotions. And And I've found that a lot of times they act out, whether it's they want to show that they're angry or upset for the attention. Yeah. And so even if, you know, they're misbehaving or doing something that we we don't want them to do, rather than disciplining them in that moment, I'm just switching it up and saying, you know what, you need a hug. Yeah. And exactly. it just kind of diffuses it all. Yeah. I had the same experience with my middle one. It's hard to be a middle child sandwiched in between an older sister and a younger sister. And I'd find she would act out a lot. And the babysitter would be like, I don't know what to do with her. She's acting out all the time. I spent time with her trying to understand it. You know, and I found I would get, I put her on the stairs. I'd be like, let's do the one, two, three. You know, I tried every Mm -hmm. trick in the, the, every parenting book trick I could find around. (laughs) 
how to handle sort of defiant behavior. But I, the same with you, I found what I would do that the only thing I could do that would work is I'd sit next to her and she loves these little rubs. So I'd rub her hand and her arm and I just sit next to her. I wouldn't say anything and I would just rub her and she would calm herself down and then we could talk about something. The more I disciplined her, the more I got angry, the more I wanted to control the situation, mm. the more we were like digging our heels in. Right. Absolutely. And then it, it does tie back into being able to regulate their emotions on their own, knowing yeah. what they want and being happy. And I would say, Kanika, the other thing is every kid's going to be a little different. So you yes. have to also understand how your son handles his emotions is going to be different than your daughter, which might be different than your other son. Right. And so like if everyone has kind of their own temperament and their own sensibility. And so being able to be in tune with that and understanding it's not about you, but it's about them and how they respond to the situation, I think is important as well. We hope you enjoyed this week's at home with Homer segment to download the app, visit learnwithhomer.com backslash momsense, M-O-M-S-E-N-S-E, to receive your very own 60-day free trial. Your kids are going to love playing the games, watching the visual stories, and more. Now, back to the interview. You know, once you're newly divorced and your father had passed away, that's pretty rock bottom, right? Totally. So, yeah, yeah. But you found this new family through, you know, your friend and colleague, Miguel, who introduced you to Muay Thai. So (laughs) how did that even come to be? This is like, I just love that there's so many different facets to this story. And this one had its own. I was just minding my own business in my office and that open air, you know, creative space that I worked in. And my friend Miguel, he was my boss. And he's like, Hey, I'm teaching this Muay Thai, like starter series. You should come. I'm like, I don't even know what Muay Thai is. He's like, you just show up, just like wear gym clothes and show up. So I show up and here we are like learning how to fight. And it felt like this underground fight club. Like, like who are these people? Everybody is weird in my mind, weirder than the next. And like, who are the, you know, everyone's so different. And yeah. it turned out that that invitation from Miguel to start Muay Thai was one of the best gifts in my entire life because it opened my eyes to other communities, other people. It opened my heart to like, what it feels like to work hard at something and sweat and cry and like fight and be punched in the face and get back up. And it was through that experience that like my whole world opened up and I felt alive for, for the first time, maybe in my life. I had never felt that type of connection, that type of excitement, that type of pride and what I was learning every day. And it was such a humbling sport because, you know, I don't know, it doesn't matter how long you, you study the sport. Like somebody's always going to be able to punch you in the face or kick you in the ribs and that hurts. Right. Yeah. And it was through that experience that I had the courage to say, I don't want to be in this marriage because I saw people modeling what living your life looks like. And I hadn't been doing that. And so it was through that process that like gave me the courage to leave a marriage and then had this like interesting segue into falling in love with somebody that ran the gym who happened to be a woman. And that was such an unexpected thing. Like who I was 
a few years before that never would have entertained that idea. I would have judged that idea. Like, no, I would not do that. I am from this conservative Catholic family and you would never date somebody of the same sex. And there I was like rapidly falling in love and having like passion and excitement and joy and connection that I had never felt before. And it literally every, my whole world got rocked. And so then, you know, of course people started to find out and I was trying to figure out like, who am I and what is the story that I'm telling and how do I, you know, protect her because we're at different phases of this, you know, journey. She was somebody that had always been uh, dating women and this was my first experience. And so (laughs) wanting to protect her feelings while I was trying to figure out like, is this who I am? What is happening? It was a very complicated and very transformative season in my life. And I wouldn't change anything. It was one of the best seasons of my life. I've never grown so much worked so hard, cried so much. And just like, it was every spectrum that you could feel. I felt during that season. And I would do it all over again, the same way, because it brought me to this life that I am so excited about with the man I adore, the girls I get to raise. Um, None of that would have happened had I not have had that season of growth. Yes. Yes. Wow. I love that you say that. And I think that every twist and turn that life takes you on, brings you to where you are. Totally. So you can't discount. No, I went to the hard times, the, you know, I wish I could take back the first marriage because that's not fair to the person I made a mistake. Yeah. Uh, That is a a regret I wish I could fix because he's a good man. Uh, He Mm -hmm. just wasn't right for me. But every other life season, I feel like was meant to be. Yes. Yes. Tell us about Emily Lewis and how Um, you ended up working with her. So I had this gift of being able, somebody offered a job to me to be the chief storytelling officer at a nonprofit camp called Flying Horse Farms, which is part of a family of camps that the actor Paul Newman started back, I think in the 80s, the late 80s, um, with Hole in the Wall Game Camp in Connecticut. And, And these camps are for children with serious illnesses. And I got to start before the camp even ever opened its doors. To say it was life-changing is an understatement because what I got to do is meet kids like Emily Lewis who had cancer and cancer eventually took Emily's life and getting to, to hear her story and to learn what the magic of attending a camp did for her and her family, I mean, it will bring you to your knees. And so the important It was like we were all carrying this weight on our shoulders that we had to get this camp open. We have to get it operating. We need to get the staff and the funding because these children who spend their entire, you know, childhood being the sick kid deserve to just be kids. As Paul Newman would say, we just want kids to kick back and raise hell. That's what you should do as a child. Right. At camp, they get to do that. And so these are kids that uh, were, they could have been, um, had heart transplants, kidney disease, cancer, all of the arthritis, all of these different illnesses that these kids carried around. And at camp, they were just kids. If they were in a wheelchair and they wanted to do the ropes course, we had a system to do that. Wow. If they wanted to sleep under the stars or in a tent out in the middle of the woods, we could do that. We had doctors and nurses that would be dressed up as in silly camp costumes that would be (laughs) on a golf cart. And if you were fishing in a canoe, the doctor would canoe out to get you. If you had to take medicine at two o'clock in the afternoon, they would give you your medicine while you're on a canoe. 
These kids were not ever told to stop what they were doing and stop having fun because they were sick. They were told, live your life, have the best time, and we've got your back. Don't you worry. I I still say that that was one of the best career chapters of my life. And I feel so grateful to have gotten to know as many children and parents and the campers and the volunteers who make those organizations run. It changes your life. And if you haven't like had the opportunity to volunteer for a nonprofit or do something to make impact in your community, I highly recommend you do it. I spent most of my days, I mean, probably a day didn't go by where I wasn't crying because I was reading a letter from a parent that said, you have changed my child's life forever. And then they would tell you why. It's It was like little things that were ginormous things for these kids. And wow. I feel so grateful to have that perspective of, you know, life really can be short and it's not fair and we can do something about it to make it the best we can for others. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I love that you made an impact in in a nonprofit in this way. And I'm sure it shaped your perspective as a mother. So, right? In good and bad ways. Right. In bad ways, because now anytime something's wrong with my kid, I do catch myself jumping to the worst possible conclusion because of stories I've heard from parents of like how their child was diagnosed. And I know that I'm like, I know it's not logical. (laughs) I know that my child probably doesn't have whatever fill in the blank, whether it's a brain tumor or cancer, whatever, or a heart issue, but those stories stick with you forever. And you get to know the parents and they tell you those stories. And it's just like part of now it's in your brain and you're always on guard on the positive side. It's helped me understand big deals and little deals. And so most of the things with my kids are little deals. It's nothing big. So they can just be kids and have fun. And I don't need to micromanage their lives. They can just enjoy their life. Yes, 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 absolutely. One thing that I love about your partnership with Nick is that he's so understanding and he encourages you to take that time out. You know, and we all talk about self-care and it shouldn't feel like this, you know, obscure thing that we do. It's about rejuvenating yourself from the inside out, you know, and making yourself feel whole again. And to have a partner, a life partner that's like, I want to be able to give you that is tremendous. He's the best. I mean, I there's something for marrying the right person on a million levels, <laughs> which I can't get into all of them now. But Nick is for sure the best partner I could ever have uh, dreamed up. And he's always had my back. So when I've been burned out, when my girls who are 16 months apart, uh, were still pretty little. I remember he looked at me, he's like, just get away. Like, where do you want to go? I'm booking you a flight. I went to Chicago. I stayed at a nice hotel. I ordered room service. I went and saw Hamilton and I didn't ever really have to talk to any other person. I was (laughs) just there. Isn't that a dream come true? Yes. The only thing that wasn't a dream is I remember I was still pumping. I was oh, right, like right, right, right. And I was drinking champagne and dumping it out, but I just needed yeah. to keep it going. Needed, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I didn't remember. And that was yeah. the only thing that wasn't ideal, but it just, he understands in any partnership you're in, no matter what, it's being able to communicate what it is you need and having somebody help you deliver that, whatever that is, if it's yep. 
extra time in bed, if it's going out to a restaurant by yourself, if it's taking a weekend away, if it's getting the kids out of the house so you can, for the first time in your life, be alone in your house without anybody in it, being able to ask for what it is you need and have somebody help you figure out how to get that is so important. And, um, but it starts with communicating where you are and, and what it is you need. Yes. Yes. And it goes both ways. Both ways. You know, yeah, absolutely. I want to just share how I feel like you're a human fortune cookie <laughs> because I just, and I love it. And I mean this um, in the best way possible because you had so many great tips and tangible takeaways in your book. And I want to just highlight a few now. And if you can kind of touch on what each one signifies. So the first one is what you aren't changing, you're choosing. Ah, is that not the best line ever? And I can't take full credit. I heard that in a yoga class and I literally almost raised my hand and was like, Kara, can I have a pen and paper? (sighs) What you aren't changing, you're choosing. Think about the times in your life that you were complaining about something, something wasn't going well. What you aren't changing, you're choosing. And there's something about that. I am making the choice to stay in the relationship that I hate. I am making the choice to stay in the job. I'm making the choice to not move my body if it feels good. I'm making the choice to overindulge. Whatever it is for you, what you aren't changing, you're choosing. So if you don't like something, recognize that you're making that choice and change it, right? Right. I've changed changed my relationships. I've changed jobs. I've changed how I operate my day. I realized, you know, I used to look at my cell phone before I got out of bed. And I'm like, why am I doing that? I actually now, I now don't look at my phone for the first hour or I try to make it 90 minutes screen-free in the morning, which sounds so silly. Like how, mm-hmm. why is that hard? Why is that hard? I know. It's but it is I mean, hard. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's I, I like most people listening, this knee-jerk like, reaction. We yeah. Have. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. These addictions. I'm like, you know what? That doesn't serve me. So today like in my season of life now, I don't look at my phone. I have coffee. I'm present with my kids. They're in a season where it's like eat breakfast, go outside, ride their scooters. And so I drink coffee. I watch them ride their scooters and I'm not worried about like what's happening on Instagram or in my inbox. Like it doesn't matter because I realized that I needed to change because I didn't like what I was doing. So I just, I shifted it. So what you aren't changing, you're choosing such a great statement. Yes. The second point is live by design, not default. Yes. So I was living a life of default for years because I was doing what I thought I should. I was doing what everyone before me had done. And I realized like we can control and design the days within reason, right? Right, right, right. At least like where we are today, we can design the life that we want. So we can design how we're spending our days and how we're engaging at work and, you know, what it is we're doing. So I, I think it's all about being really intentional about your ideal day what you want to get out of this life and not just defaulting to either what other people want of you or what you think you should do, actually designing what it is you want to do and you feel compelled to do the things that light you up and make you feel excited. It's it's such a different way of living. Yes. Bucket fillers, know them, be them, raise them. 
Oh, I mean, do you know the people that you meet on the street and you're like, gosh, I want more time with that person. Like, it feels so good. Let's just be that person for everybody. Let's fill up other people's buckets. I, I remember like running late to work when I worked up at that camp, which was an hour north out in the country um, from where I, I live in an urban environment in downtown Columbus. And I stopped by this juice store on my way. I wanted my cold pressed juice. And I was walking to Native Cold Pressed and this guy was on his bike and he's like, great boots. And I was like, yeah, (laughs) they are cute boots. And I dig your style. Like, yeah, he was a bucket filler. Yes. The people that ask you how you're really doing, you know, they're bucket fillers. The people that uh, deliver what it is you need before you even have to ask because they're so in tune with whatever it is going on in your life. Those are the bucket fillers. Like what can we do to support, elevate, lift up other people? If you have any desire to cut somebody down or say something negative or do anything to spill somebody else's bucket, then just like walk away. Let's not be that person. Yes. Yes. You're a bucket filler for me. Oh, thank you. Yes. And this, yeah. And this conversation right here, I'm sure it's, you know, going to be very transformative for those listening. So that's just really wonderful. You've always trusted your gut and that's what Heart Boss is all about. And even this podcast, that's total mom sense. Our mom sense is essentially to me, our intuition. It's our sixth sense. So tell us a moment where you trusted your gut, your mom sense. Yeah. So for me, I had started a job on a Monday And I was kind of excited about it. It was this trendy agency setting that was a few blocks from my condo at the time, also downtown. Every single day, I I came home from that job feeling a little deflated. And I was like, something's going on here. And on Thursday night, I was like, I I really can't stand this job. And my friend Miguel that got me into Muay Thai was like, well, you've worked too hard to transform your entire life to stick with a job that you can't stand, you know, four days. So on Friday, I was walking to work and it was a November day and the air was like crisp and the leaves were turning and I was wearing the cute boots that I had mentioned earlier. I I kept them around too long. (laughs) And, um, And I was walking into this conference room that had no windows. And I was on a four hour conference call for about women's hair care products, which I don't know anything about. And I don't care about two hours into that conference call that we got a break. And I was on autopilot and my gut was like, don't stay here. And I walked to my desk and I turned out the light and I packed up my bags and I ran into my friend who got me the job. And I said, Michael, you will not get your signing bonus because I am leaving this gig. And he's like, holy moly. And I was like, yeah. And I walked back into the conference room and I looked at my new boss and I said, I'm sorry, but I don't want to work here. I'm leaving. And he, do you know what he said to me? He said, I am so jealous. I don't want this job either. Oh my God. <laughs> Can you believe it? <laughs> I walked out and I walked oh, wow. back to my condo and I saw this man dressed as a clown riding a unicycle. And I thought to myself, if this guy can ride a unicycle on a Friday late afternoon or late morning, it was probably 11, 15 in the morning. If he can do that, then I can quit a job that I hate during a recession and land on my feet. And I did. That's when I got the job. So don't stay somewhere if if you're feeling like you're going to throw up because you hate it so much. Yeah. Don't put yourself through that. No. Let's not forget our quote of the day. So we already went through a few of these, but is there 
a quote that you live by? No, I think it's mostly what you aren't changing your choosing is my go-to. Yes. Yeah. yeah, That was a good one. It's now time for mom hall when we share products we love. So is there a product that you're loving? You know what? I love the Bubsy. Yes. Is that, is it, it's just called Bubsy, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And Shweta has been on the show. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Shweta Doshi. Hi. Hi. Um, So the Bubsy uh, bath care products for my kids are just so delicious. They, I mean, I want to eat them. I don't actually eat them, but they, they're just, they smell so good. They're healthy for your kids. And it's just like a beautiful product line that I love to support. Absolutely. Uh, and it's like rooted in um, ancient traditions and coconut oil, which is all good so for you. Good. Naturally hypoallergenic, naturally everything. That's <laughs> the best. I highly recommend it. Yes. Um, and where can my listeners find you and Heart Boss? Yes. So you can find me anywhere by using Reagan Walsh. It's Reagan Walsh Life Coach on Instagram, ReaganWalsh.com, HeartBoss.com. You can buy Heart Boss in any of your favorite bookstores. Support local whenever you can. I love rooting for the 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 little guys. Yeah, you can email me anytime as well. I respond to everybody that writes me. It takes some time but I love to hear people's stories. So if there's something that you want to share, it's Reagan at ReaganWalsh.com. Thank you, Reagan. See, you're such a bucket filler. I love you. Oh my gosh, you're the best. (laughs) Well, thank you. I hope you had as much fun as I did listening to Reagan and learning about her life story and her book, Heart Boss. It's available wherever you could purchase a book on Amazon or your local bookstore, whom you should always try to help out when you can. Tune in to other episodes and browse my YouTube videos where I am uh, showcasing highlights to each of the episodes. And you can just find me at Kanika Chada Gupta or That's Total Nonsense on the search. And of course, all my information on my guests, my episodes, my sponsors, my partners is available at that's totalmomsense.com. And just so you know, I do have a shop page now. I know many of you have already purchased some merch, but the whole idea is to make sure that you have a calm, cozy feeling when you're listening to this podcast, especially if you get a chance to enjoy some me time, some self-care time. So think about, you know, purchasing a candle or earbuds or cozy socks or a tank or a hoodie, because all of this is supposed to kind of be a warm hug from me. Do write to me at thatstotalmomsense at gmail.com if you'd like to send me a pitch or just say hello. I love, love reading your messages and I respond to all my emails and my DMs. Of course, follow me on Insta at Kanika Chada Gupta. Remember, always trust your mom sense. Stay strong, super mamas. See you next time. That's total mom sense.